Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for the revelation power of the Holy Spirit. We ask you to fill us with your understanding and truth today. And everybody agrees. Said? Amen. Amen. Matt, yeah, you guys can go ahead and uh, put those up for me. All right, listen, during the last couple years, we have spent a great deal of time trying to understand this idea of what is essential, okay? What is essential? What really is essential? What really deserves, you know, at that time to be open, to have our attention? What is essential? And so, Um, I looked up this word essential because I wanted to understand what it meant, and it says this, absolute necessary, absolute necessary, extremely important, okay, extremely important. So I was thinking about this word essential, and the Lord was talking to me about, okay, what is really essential in our walk with Jesus Christ? And I believe that one of the most essential things that we need to know and understand that is extremely important, absolutely necessary for understand is this. The difference between Old Testament covenant and New Covenant grace, okay? These are two different things, okay? And how we see ourselves, we're gonna talk about this today, how we see ourselves in the light of these things really matter, okay? So uh, if you got a Bible, pull out a Bible. If you got something to take notes, pull out something to take notes with me, okay? We're gonna go through, at the beginning here, we're gonna go through a lot of different scriptures real quick, okay? So just follow with me, don't zone out, just track with me, okay? The first one is this. John chapter one, verse 17, it says this. For the law was given through Moses, but grace, grace, who is, G, who is grace? It is Jesus was given to us undeserved favor of God through Jesus Christ, okay? So the law, it came through Moses. Who was Moses? He was a wonderful, great man, but what was he? He was a servant of the Lord, okay? So the law comes through a servant. If you don't know what the law is, in the Old Testament, God said, here are my laws. There was over 600 laws, 600 commands that they had to fulfill, 600 different things that they had to figure out and try to live out. And really, the law was really designed to actually point to Jesus, to actually help us to understand that through yourself, you could never fulfill the law. We're never able to fulfill the law. So the law came through Moses, you know, how, how many of you know, how many remember the movie, The Ten Commandments? You know, Moses is on the mountain and there's lightning and thunder and God's big and God's scary and God gives the law, right? So the law comes through Moses. But grace and what? Truth. Okay, love that. Grace with truth comes through who? Jesus. Who's Jesus? He's the son of God. So how many of you know this, that a son has a different perspective of their father than other people do, right? Like somebody might think, oh, that guy's real scary. And, and the son would go, no, he's just a big teddy bear. You know, I, I know him. He, he has a big bark, but, but he doesn't have a real tough bite, right? So Jesus comes 
and he is the son of God, and he brings what? A brand new perspective of who God the Father is. Because in the Old Testament, God the Father looked real big and scary. In the New Testament, Jesus comes and he brings grace and truth, okay? So the law talks about what? What man ought to be and what man ought to do. But grace reveals what? Who God is. Grace is revealing the nature and the character of who God the Father is. Let me show you this. Exodus chapter 7, verse 20 says this, so Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. They are dealing with Pharaoh. They're trying to set the people free. Pharaoh is refusing. And so because Pharaoh's refusing, the Lord has spoken to Moses and Aaron, and they're about to perform something. It says this, as Pharaoh and all of his officials watch Aaron raised his staff and struck the water of the Nile, and suddenly the whole river turned to blood. The fish in the river died, and the water became foul, and the Egyptians couldn't drink it, and there was blood everywhere through the land of Egypt. Okay? So I want you to see, the first miracle that Moses performs, okay, because Moses represents what? The law. Okay? The first miracle that Moses performs is what? He turns the water into blood, which results in what? Death. It brings death. First miracle. Now let me show you this. John chapter 2, verse 6. Jesus is at a wedding. Jesus is at a party, okay? And now in this time and in this day, weddings, they were like a week or two weeks long, Okay? Could you imagine that? Like somebody invites you to a wedding, like, I got to take two weeks off of work to go to your wedding? I barely like going to a wedding that lasts like three hours, okay? And they're like, yeah, we're going to party for, for three weeks. And so they're at the party, and all the wine is run out. And Jesus' mom comes to him and says, hey, there's no more wine. And this is what happens in verse 6. Standing nearby, there was six stone jars for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each of them could hold 20 or 30 gallons. So there are six jars that can hold 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies so that the servants, and then the servants followed their instructions. Verse 9. The master of the of the ceremonies tasted the water and it was now wine. So in the first miracle of Moses, we see what? We see death. In the first miracle of Jesus, because what does Jesus represent? He represents grace. What do we see? Jesus turned the water into wine. Into what? Life. Into celebration. Okay? So we're seeing two different covenants here. We're seeing two different perspectives of God, okay? So in the law, okay, law, in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 34, verse 7, it says this, but I do not excuse the guilt. I will lay the sins of the parents upon the children and the grandchildren and the entire family is infected. It says, even the children to the third and the fourth generation. So in Old Testament law, God said, when you sin, when you fail, when you make mistakes, I'll take the sin of the father and I will transfer it down to all the way down to the fourth generation. 
This is big, serious stuff. But in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, under Jesus and grace, Hebrews 8, verse 12 says this, for I'll be merciful and gracious toward their wickedness. What is God saying about us? He's saying, I know you. And I know you as humans, you got some junk. Can I get an amen from anybody? Okay. We all got some junk. All right. And he says, what? I'll be merciful. I'll be gracious toward this. And I will remember, remember what God said in, in the old covenant? He said, I'll pass the sin down generation to generation to generation. He says, now in the new, he says what? I will remember their sins no more. I won't pass it down. Now here's the deal. For many of us, okay, our perspective of God, and for many people even in the earth that don't even follow Jesus, if they have an understanding of God, this is what they think. They think this, if I obey God, God will bless me. If I disobey God, God will curse me. Right? That's how many people think. This is how many people perceive God. Okay? This is our general idea of this. Now, listen, it can sound right because I think a lot of us have this perspective from our upbringing. Right? Like, when I was a kid, if I cleaned my room every Saturday morning, we went to Toys R Us. Anybody remember Toys R Us? Okay? You remember Jeffrey? You know? And I loved that. The giraffe's name was Jeffrey, and my name was Jeffrey, and I just thought that Toys R Us was like, you know, made for me, okay? Like, this is my store, okay? And, and I just, you know, I connected. If, if I get up, and, and my grandfather had built these shelves on my wall. Actually, I'll bring a picture sometime. I, I had, you know, exact places for each G.I. Joe and each toy, and if I would clean my room and put everything exactly where it would go, Every Saturday, we'd go to Toys R Us and get another toy. So I was highly, highly motivated to clean my room on Saturday mornings, okay? So we associate a lot of times, like, if, if I'm good, if I'm obedient, it's going to bring what? It's going to be blessing. And then we also associate the thought that, like, when I fail, when I make mistakes, you know, then God's going to be mad. Why? Because our parents were mad at us. So this is our perspective, okay? But here's the deal. When we have that perspective of God, it actually cancels out everything Jesus did on the cross because that's not the new covenant. It's not, it's not the new covenant. It's not, his, Jesus came to reveal the nature of who? God the Father, okay? So let me show you this, law, Again, law, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. This is what God says. You must not have any other gods before me. You must not make yourself any idols of any kind, of any image or anything in the heavens or the earth or in the sea. Verse 7, it says this. You must not misuse the name of your God. The Lord uh, will not let you go unpunished for this failure. So this is law, okay? Grace, though, grace, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 and verse 12, it says this. But this is the new covenant. So God's saying, listen, there was an 
old way of taking care of things, but now there's a new way of taking care of things. So in this new way, in the new covenant, I will make uh, I will make this covenant with my people of Israel. On this day, the Lord says, I will put the law in their minds. I will write it upon their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So what is, what is the new covenant talking about now? It's not talking about a relationship. See, in the Old Testament, the people feared God, right? They feared God. And so they wanted Moses to go talk to God. Moses, you go deal with God. We're afraid of God. But in the new covenant, the word says this, that he will have now what? He's talking about what? He's talking about relationship with us. He's talking about something personal. He's talking about personal relationship, a personal covenant with us. Verse 12, and I will forgive them of their wickedness and I will never remember their sins. Okay, so the law... The law is what? It's centered around man, right? The law is totally centered around what you are capable of doing. That's what the law was about, about keeping the right commandments. Grace is centered around what? Jesus, about who he is and what he's done for you, okay? The law focuses on what you must accomplish, this is what you must do. This is what's on you. But grace focuses on what? What Jesus has accomplished. That's what grace does. Grace goes, we're going to focus on Jesus and all that he's done for us, all that he accomplished on the cross. Under law, you are what? You're disqualified for your disobedience. Disqualified. Under grace... You're made right by what? How you believe. So what am I doing today? I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm, I'm kind of being a lawyer this morning. I'm, I'm building what? I'm building a case, okay? I'm building a case for you, okay? Because how we see law and grace determines how we see ourselves. And I want to read this verse now in James. And this is where we're, I'm going to really camp out. Okay. James chapter one. Okay. Put up on the screen for me. James chapter one, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Anybody else struggle with that? <laughs> okay. Verse 20. Human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. Verse 21. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives. Humbly accept the word of God. He has planted, God plants his word in our hearts. For it is a power to do what? To save our souls. Okay, so what Jesus accomplished on the cross, this new covenant is actually the power that saves us. It's not your power. It's not what you do. It's not your good deeds. It's his power. Verse 22. But don't just listen to God's words. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're fooling yourselves. Verse 23. 
For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. As you see yourself and walk away, you forget what you look like. Verse 25. But if you look carefully into what it says, what does that say? The perfect law. So when we see that word law, we think what? We think about the law, right? We think about what? The Old Testament. But we're not talking about the Old Testament. Why? Because we're in the New Testament. And he says what? The perfect law. What is the perfect law? The perfect law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He was the only one able to fulfill the law. Amen? So he is the perfect law. And the new covenant is what? The perfect law. What is the new covenant? You and I are made right, not by your actions, but because of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. This is the perfect law. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, that what? What does it say? Sets you free. I love that. It says that the perfect law, grace, Jesus Christ, that's what was going to set you free. It'll set you free. And do what it says and don't forget what you've heard. Then God will bless you for doing it. So I got one point today. One point. One point today. Can we get an amen for one point? Okay, one point. All right. I kid you not, I saw an old video last night on Vimo um, from when I preached, like, gosh, it was like 12 years ago, back at Living Word. And, and I was like, this is going to be super cringy to watch. And, but I watched it, and I think I had like nine points that day. And I was like, what was I doing with nine points uh, that day? All right, one point today, and the point is this. I like it. What is it? What is it? It is the junk in our lives that we justify and we say, it's okay. Now, I know what you're all thinking. You're like, wait, 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 wait. We started today talking about grace, okay? And now you're bringing me back over here to law. And I'm not, I promise you. I promise you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help. It's helping me. It's, I'm going to help you. I, pro I promise you the Holy Spirit is going to help you on this. Yeah, there's an alarm telling you right there that the Holy Spirit is going to help you on this, okay? All right, all right. So listen, we all have areas in our lives that what? They don't look like Jesus. Amen? We all have struggles. We all got stuff in our lives that doesn't look like Jesus. Some of us have things like addictions. And I know when I say that word addictions, we think, we think of like really hardcore addictions. And you might have some of those. And if you do, we believe in the name of Jesus through his grace and through his strength, you will overcome. But you know, we can have all kinds of addictions. And what is really addictions? It's just something I can't live without, right? I mean, I've had seasons in my life, I've had an addiction to Coca-Cola. You know what I mean? Like, I, can I get an amen from anybody? I know some of you are addicted to coffee, so don't judge me with my Coca-Cola. You, you get 14 Starbucks a day to get through you today, okay? Right? Can I have an addiction to things like overeating? Right? There, I mean, there's seasons where I overeat because I'm, I'm stressed, and I just... Overeat. You can have addictions to lust. You can have addictions to pride. 
right? We can have some addiction things in our lives sometimes. Sometimes we can have some things like being overly emotional. Like you're just pissy all the time, right? You're angry, everything's wrong, right? How is God gonna bring me to the right person? How is God gonna bring this job? How, how is God gonna take care of my future? You just have overly emotional thought patterns. Sometimes we can be this word called narcissistic. We're obsessed with ourselves. We're obsessed with our world. We're obsessed with our kids. Us first. Never really happy for other people. Right? So we can all, and here's what's interesting about all these things that I just talked about. This is all stuff that's within us that doesn't always get seen on the outside. You know what I mean? Like, we, we don't, you know, come to church on Sunday mornings and go, I mean, I shook Dave's hand, and he's just super narcissistic. I, I know he is. I know. No, he is the farthest thing from that. We love Dave, right? We don't, we don't think that way. Because what? This is stuff that we can kind of hide. Some stuff that, that we can justify. We can be okay with it inside our soul, right? It's like this. It's like, you know, if I look into the mirror, right, and, and I, see, I see a little gray hair coming in, okay? See a little gray hair coming in, which I don't have any yet in Jesus' name, okay? But someday, I'm, listen, I'm going to prophesy this right now. In Jesus' name, I'm going to have golden white hair, okay? I promise you. It's going to be beautiful, just white hair, okay? White hair. But let's say I see that gray hair. What can I do? I can go, man, there's nothing some just for men can't do to fix that, right? We just, we just cover, we just cover that up, right? Okay? Listen. One of my favorite lines ever in my life has been, this is just who I am. This is just who I am. I would tell Jess this all the time. I'd go, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. <laughs> oh, that's terrible, isn't it? You know, but that, that's what I would say for years. I'd go, you can either take it or leave it. I'll, you can leave me if you want to, right? This is just who I am, Right? I know I'm hard to deal with. I know I can make people feel small. I know this about myself, but, but this is another great line that, that we use too. Is just, this is how I was raised. Or we would go, this is how God made me. I love that line. That's a good one, okay? What a great line. This is how God made me. Really? You were made in the image of God. I was made in the image of God, okay? So we all got stuff in our lives. Now, one of the things in my life that I'm just going to be really honest, and today I'm going to share, um, I'm going to share some, some personal stuff today, and, and I hope two things. Number one, um, I hope, number one, that you don't use it against me someday. I'm, I'm being honest, because sometimes it is really raw for me to share something personal, okay? I hope that, and number two, I hope that you don't ever think that when I share a struggle in my life that I'm glorifying that struggle, because I'm not. I, I love Jesus way too much to glorify anything that doesn't look like Jesus. Amen? 
And so, um, for me, one of the areas in my life that I struggle with uh, is this word called anger. And um, you might question, like, well, why, why do you struggle with anger? I, I question that sometimes. I question that. I go, I, I have a wonderful wife. I have amazing boys that love Jesus. I have this wonderful church that I get to lead. I, I, I'm so blessed by all of you. I, I love all of you so much. I love what I do. I love this place with all of my heart. I'm blessed. I have this wonderful relationship with Jesus. So where, where does anger come from? And, um, and I want to give you some wisdom right now. And if you can write this down, I want you to write this down because this will help your life. I promise you. I promise you. And this isn't me. This is the Lord. I wrote this down. Many of the challenges you face today, many of the challenges you face today comes from where? Wounds in your past. Many of the challenges. So the mother that you are trying to be today, okay, the leader that you can't become, the addiction you're fighting with, the control that you want over your life, the unforgiveness that you can't let go and you can't forgive somebody, the fear that grips your heart. Where do all of these things get rooted from? Somewhere in your past. There's somewhere in your past that there is a root that has produced a challenge in your life that you're facing, okay? And so for me, for me, where anger comes from, I'll, I'll share today where anger comes from. It comes from when Jeff, when Pastor Jeff was a little boy. And when I was a little boy, I had no control. I had no control. I couldn't control my parents getting divorced. I couldn't control the cancer that hit, that hit my grandfather and one of my best friends. As a child, watching both of those things happen simultaneously, I had no control. I had no control when my grandmother had a stroke in my arms. I had no control where I lived. I had no control of the school that I went to. I had no control of getting bullied when I was growing up because I was poor. I had no control. My life was always in a constant state of what I felt like a roller coaster. It was all over the place. And I had no control. And I remember, I remember my junior year of high school. I remember that summer. I remember I was in my car and I was angry and I was frustrated about some stuff and I thought to myself, and I remember I had this thought. I literally thought to myself, never, never, ever, ever again am I gonna allow a situation, a circumstance, a person to ever take advantage of me ever again. I remember this day. I remember where I was at. I remember my car. I remember the weather. I remember everything about this day because I remember on that day, on that moment, what was birthed? Anger was birthed. Anger was birthed. And I thought that anger would be what? The fuel for me to do what? To overcome this life. So I would use anger to fuel so that I could overcome. And here's the deal. 
Anger actually made me feel good because I loved the control that I had. I controlled it. And I could control what? I could control other people through my anger. That I learned that the anger and the more angry that I would get would give me more control and more power over circumstances and moments and people. And I liked how I felt. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so anger has been something that has just been um, something I've thought. Now, I'm thankful for the grace of God because the grace of God has tremendously helped me through the years. I am not the same person that I was when I was 17 years old and I made that decision that day in that car. God's grace has supernaturally continued to work, but it's still something that I struggle with. And at sometimes, sometimes, and we all understand this. My thing is anger. I don't know what your thing is, but at sometimes we will take, we will take this thing because we can't overcome it. We'll just justify it. Did you hear that? Because we can't overcome it. We'll do what? We'll just justify it. We'll just try to figure out a way that it is okay for me to have this. So for me, I'm just being really honest, a lot of times I just connect my justification to what? Just stress, pressure, anxiety, right? So I connect these things together and then I'm like, okay, I'm okay, I'm justified to be angry, right? And so I've just gone through a really, really tough season. So a couple weeks ago, I'm in this really, really, really like crazy season in my life. A lot of pressure, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry. And so I got our family and we're driving on the road. And you all know that I've struggled with some driving before, amen, okay? And so we're getting on this exit and I go to go around, like there's two lanes. I go to go around this guy because I want to go past him. Like I want to drive fast. I want to be Ricky Bobby, okay? I want to drive fast. And, uh, and he slides over and he won't let me over. And I'm like, Oh, thank you, Jesus, you know? And um, so then I make a great decision to aggressively tail him because I want him to know that I'm frustrated with him, right? And so this guy then proceeds to brake check me. And now, now, like, I'm losing my mind, right? Like, I'm losing my mind. And I'm telling him how I am losing my mind. And Jess and the boys, they're all in the car. And it's that place, you all understand this. It's like you don't even, it's like your brain doesn't even function anymore. And so I fly around this guy, right? And about 30 seconds later, here he comes. And now he's telling me about how he thinks about me. But he also now wants to fight. Like, he wants to fight. I, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight before. But I've been in a fight before. And you know somebody's face when they want to fight. He wants to fight. And thank God for wonderful wives. Amen? And Jess just grabbed my hand. And she said to me, she said, we're okay. And now he is just like honking at me, rolling his window. He's like, like he wants to fight, right? 
And I'm looking at his face. And for the first time, like the first time in my life, like I promise you, the first time in my life, it was like looking in a mirror. It was like looking in a mirror. And I just felt the Holy Spirit. And he goes, this isn't who you are. This isn't who you, how I designed you. You chose this. This isn't my best for your life. This isn't what I have for you. And I instantly felt that, like I grieved the Holy Spirit. Now here's the deal. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, what do we feel? We feel conviction. Instantly, we'll feel this conviction. And what will we tie this conviction to? We will tie it to this, right? We'll tie it to law. Instantly, instantly, I just felt this, this place in my soul that I go, I, I, have, I have completely missed the mark. I have totally, totally not walked in the fruit of the Spirit. I have totally not been grace and love. My job in this world is to show people Jesus, and I did the exact opposite. I remember the next day I got into my time with the Lord, and I just, I'll be honest with you, I just sobbed. I just sobbed. Because I couldn't believe. When I saw, when I saw that thing that I have justified for so long, in so many years, when I saw it, and I saw that that was me, something broke in me. And I knew, I knew at that very moment, what? Something has to change. Something has to change. Amen? Right, you can come on up. Now, here's the deal. When we hit that moment that the Holy Spirit brings conviction. I need you to understand a couple things. Number one, God is not angry at you. He is not angry at you. He only wants the best for you. And the reason the Holy Spirit and the conviction comes is because he knows that there is a moment and there is a time that if you don't heed what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, that there will be no grace in that moment. Amen? And I don't want to get to those moments. I don't want to get to those places where I ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit over and over and over again and justify something that doesn't look like Jesus. And then I finally get to the place where there's no grace because I've ignored. I've ignored the heat of the Holy Spirit. But I need you to understand that when the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes, it is not because he's angry at you. He actually loves you so much. Now, here's, here's the challenge. When you face those moments in your life that you got to get rid of some stuff. This is what James is talking about. The word's telling us what? You, you, you're going to have to get rid of some stuff. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you, the, whole, the, whole, the whole thing is this. 
I want to look more like Jesus. That, that's what my relationship with Jesus is. My relationship with Jesus is to do what? To become and to look more like Jesus. So to look like Jesus means that things are going to have to change in my life. And let me give you a heads up. It will never stop. It'll never stop until you get to heaven. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how many things you learn. There's always more. Always more. And when you face these moments and you face these things that the Lord goes, this, doesn't, this isn't me. This isn't my nature. This isn't my character. This isn't who I am. This isn't how I want you to live your life. When you face those moments, the question then is this, which mirror am I looking into? Right? Because I can look into this mirror called law. And I think a lot of times when we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, this is where we go to. We actually go to this mirror. We're looking into this mirror, the mirror called law. And we instantly feel what? Overwhelming shame. Overwhelming guilt. We instantly think things like what? I'm such a failure. I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. I'll never change. And then we instantly go to this place. We think, I'm gonna have to work harder. I'm gonna have to do more. I'm gonna have to fight. I'm gonna have to set better goals. I'm gonna have to do this. And what, what is the voice? It's I, 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 me, me, me. This is what I have to do. And we think to ourselves, I have failed God. And now I have to work harder. I have to do more because what? I need to earn God's grace and goodness once again. Getting into you today, aren't I? Or we look at this wonderful mirror called what? Grace. And it's just Jesus. And he goes, son, I know you can't do this. I know you're not strong enough. I know you got hurts and wounds from your past, son, I know. But look into me, look into me. And when I look into Jesus, what do I see? I see his grace. I see his forgiveness. I see his love. I see his mercy. I see this new covenant, this thing where he goes, listen, give me your sin, trade me your sin. You give me the sin and I'll give you my grace. And when you look at Jesus long enough and you look at grace long enough and you look at this perfect thing called grace long enough, what happens? You naturally become what you look at. Whatever you worship, you're going to become more like it. So the more I worship 
Jesus. The more I look into this mirror called grace, the more I look into the perfect law, Jesus, the new covenant, that he makes me righteous, that he is the one that forgives my sins, that he is the one that empowers me. He is the one who strengthens me. He is the one that gives me the grace to overcome. He, Jesus, Jesus alone, he, then I can overcome. Then I can overcome. And I can be who he called me to be. He called us to be overcomers in this life. See, it's really important what mirror you look through. It's really important because it's how you're going to see yourself. And it's how you're going to see your relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus is either going to be built on this idea that it's on you. It's on you. Your strength, what you can do for him, it's, it's a constant scale of rights and wrongs. And hopefully you can just make enough rights to keep him happy. Or you can live in what is said, this new perfect law called grace. And you can live in a state of peace. You can live like your mind can be in a state of peace. Your soul can be in a state of peace. Your heart can be in a state of peace. Because you know, you know, if Jesus gave his life, if Jesus sacrificed it all for you, there's nothing he won't do for you. Absolutely nothing. And he just, he's just crazy about you. And he does not want you to walk around another day with guilt and shame. Now, am I justifying filth, sin, junk? No, never, never. I want to look more like Jesus. I want you to look more like Jesus. I want you to become more like Jesus. I have failed as a pastor if I don't help you to become more like Jesus. There's nothing more important than that. But I'm not going to, as the leader of this house, get you to look more like Jesus by beating you with the law. I'm going to help you to become more like Jesus by looking at Jesus and worshiping Jesus and seeing his grace and allowing his grace to give you the strength to overcome in this life so that you become more like Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand up this morning?